Thank you for visiting the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. In 1 John, the first epistle of John, there is this very strong, clear imperative in the first part of that epistle. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, walk in the light. I want to talk about that. We have a fine group of Bible students who have joined together on the Zoom platform for the last several weeks, engaged in a study of 1 John, and we are finishing that study. And I thought I would like to show all of you what we have learned about this simple imperative in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what it says. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, you come to that verse, what does that mean? It is well stated, and the imperative is clear enough to walk in the light. The benefits are specified, having fellowship with God, being cleansed by the blood of Christ, but in my thought life and practical life, I need to know specifically what that means. See, we all need specifics in order to apply instructions in Scripture. And those specifics given by God need our attention. John provides those specifics. I really ought to say God, through John, provides the specifics that are packaged into that imperative, walk in the light. Now, where are they? Are they here before us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7? Well, you have the imperative stated there in 1 John 1, 7. But specifically, what does that cover? I want to discover the specifics of walking in the light. It's important because the alternative is to live in darkness. So we're asking in our study together now. What does it mean to walk in the light? And we're going to let John tell us. All you need to do to understand what it means to walk in the light in 1 John 1, 7 is keep on reading. Walking in the light means, first of all, confessing our sin. In 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Listen to this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Keep well in mind the two primary benefits promised here, being cleansed by the blood of Christ, thus having fellowship with God. 
If I want those benefits, what do I need to do? I need to walk in the light. And walking in the light means when I sin, I honestly confess it and face it before God and ask for His forgiveness. We can't reason like this. I don't know if I have a sin problem or not, but I want God in my life, and I want Him to automatically take care of all that. No. If you want God in your life, it is essential to look honestly in your life and confess your sin so that you don't wander off from the light into darkness. Now, it may not be murder or theft or violence or drunkenness, but have you ever told a lie? Have you entertained thoughts you know are bitter, immature, unjustified on any grounds, holding to them now perhaps? Or could it be so? We have just not obeyed God consistently with good and well-directed attitude. We haven't done what we could. We have not taken responsibility to the full measure of our opportunity. The Apostle Paul said of this, All have sinned, and there is none righteous, no, not one. This reality of guilt must be faced, must be admitted, confessed in order to walk in the light. When you occasionally sin, don't just brush that off. John says, to confess that sin before God. And then he talks in chapter 2 about Jesus as our advocate. See, this is part of what it means to walk in the light. Number two, walking in the light means keeping the Lord's commandments. I'm going to read from 1 John 5, the first three verses. 1 John 5, the first three verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Obedience to God is part of what it means to walk in the light. But obedience to God is not prominent in modern religious discourse. Receiving blessings from God gets attention. Wanting comfort from God, people like to talk about that. Unity in a modern pluralistic sense, that's a popular topic. Not as much attention, if any, is given to the simple matter of living in obedience to God. It is suggested that emphasis should be on grace and not obedience. Why not obedience as a response to grace? Grace is God's generosity, His mercy to grant to us that which we cannot earn and do not deserve. By grace, God not only grants us cleansing by the blood of Christ, he grants us the privilege to know and obey His law. It is by His grace that we are able to read His Word, know what He wants, and become engaged in a good response to Him. Grace and obedience complement each other. One is about the source, the other is about the response. God gives us the opportunity to obey. Our response ought to be to keep His commandments. While we can never keep commandments with such perfection as to earn salvation, our love for God 
compels us to persevere in obedience. It's part of what it means to walk in the light. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Another part of walking in the light is not loving the world. I'm going to read from 1 John 2, this time verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. What is this world? Well, it's not the physical world. John isn't telling us not to love the stars, the mountains, the beautiful oceans, or the sunset. What is this world he's talking about? John is not saying don't love people. What world is he talking about? He tells us, just keep reading, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not nature. It is a passion for sensual satisfaction. It is not people, but self-elevation and competition that works against people. It is preoccupation with ease and affluence and comfort and pleasure that slowly corrupts us and takes us away from God. I was reading a book several years ago and found just an excellent statement of what worldliness is. We talk about that, worldliness. Listen to what this man wrote about it. I think he describes it well. The Bible defines worldliness by centering morality where we intuitively know it should be. This writer said, Worldliness is the lust of the flesh, a passion for sensual satisfaction, the lust of the eyes, an inordinate desire for the finer things of life, and the pride of life, self-satisfaction in who we are, what we have, and what we have done. Worldliness, then, is a preoccupation with ease and affluence. It elevates creature comfort to the point of idolatry. Large salaries and comfortable lifestyles become necessities of life and gradually can take us away from God. Worldliness is reading magazines about people who live hedonistic lives and spend too much money on themselves and wanting to be like them. But more importantly, worldliness is simply pride and selfishness in disguises. It's being resentful when someone snubs us or patronizes us or shows off. It means smarting under every slight, challenging every word spoken against us, cringing when another is preferred before us. Worldliness is harboring grudges, nursing grievance, and wallowing in self-pity. These are the ways in which we are sometimes most like the world. That's Dave Roper in a book called The Strength of a Man. Walking in the light means not loving the world, but loving the Father with all your heart, confessing when you sin against him and keeping his commandments. Here's another. Walking in the light means loving our brother. In 1 John 3, 14 through 18, 
We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. If we ever think we can be friends with God while treating God's other friends with enmity, we are just as wrong as we could be. You cannot love God and hate men. You cannot hold to God while turning against his people. When we obey the gospel, we not only express our love for God, but also our love for his people. Listen again in 1 John chapter 4, over at verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Walking in the light means loving God, keeping his commandments, and loving all your brothers and sisters. I found this. Blessed is the servant who loves his brother as much when he is sick and useless as when he is well and can be of service to him. And blessed is he who loves his brother as well when he is afar off as when he is by his side. And who would say nothing behind his back he might not in love say before his face. Francis of Assisi wrote that. One of the proofs of a right relationship with God is a right relationship with others. Start with your relationship with God. And then as you pursue good relationship with God, it enables and equips you to pursue good relationships with others. Then walking in the light means keeping ourselves from idols. I want to take you to the very last verse in 1 John, 1 John 5, 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We know the besetting sin of the Jewish nation was idolatry. They knew well of God's existence. They witnessed his power. They had his word. They heard his prophets. God led them and fed them. He loved them, protected them, and promised them their Savior. But over and over, Instead of giving God the honor he deserved, they worshiped men and things manufactured by men, idolatry. Mark this down. Whatever you worship other than God, whatever you give honor and praise to rather than God, that is your idol. If your affection is directed more to anything other than God, that becomes your idolatry. And to walk in the light, one must walk away from all idols. Walking in the light is not some elusive, hard-to-interpret, complicated matter. John states the imperative along with the associated blessings in 1 John 1, 7, and then he says to us, folks, here's what that means. 
and you read the rest of the first epistle of John. Confess your sins. Obey the Lord. Do not love the world. Love each other. Keep yourselves from idols. Are you living this way? If you're not living this way, you need to obey the gospel to step out of darkness into light, and then you need to walk in the light. If we can help you with that, please get in touch with us. Thank you for listening.